Two Chinese embassy officials assaulted a Taiwan diplomat in Fiji earlier this month, according to Taiwan's foreign ministry. It happened on October 8th when two Chinese diplomats showed up uninvited at a National Day reception hosted by Taiwan's office in Suva, Fiji. Taiwan's foreign ministry confirmed the incident on Monday, saying that after the Chinese officials were asked to leave, they refused and assaulted a Taiwan diplomat, sending him to hospital. Taiwan's representative office in Fiji held a National Day reception attended by more than 100 people, including two uninvited guests. According to a news blog called Grubsheet, two Chinese diplomats had crashed the event. They took photos of the participants and refused to leave after being asked to do so by Taiwan staff. A physical altercation occurred, leaving a Taiwan official with head injuries requiring hospitalization. After police arrived at the scene, the two Chinese diplomats claimed diplomatic immunity. The matter was dropped by Fijian law enforcement. First, they were looking around. They left and soon after returned. They were outside shouting. It seemed as if they wanted to break in through the doors. Of course, one of our colleagues went out to stop them. Deputy Foreign Minister Harry Tsung gave an account to lawmakers and condemned Beijing's wolf warrior diplomacy. China's embassy in Fiji claims the incident was instigated by the Taiwan side, who caused injuries to a Chinese diplomat. According to the news outlet Fiji Village, local police are investigating a complaint lodged by the Chinese embassy, claiming that a Taiwan staff member had assaulted Chinese staff. A police spokesperson is quoted as saying that there is no report of a Taiwanese official getting assaulted. We were holding a National Day celebration. We wouldn't have confronted them with hostility, right? Going off my experience, I would have asked them to leave nicely. The other party was really quite aggressive. You can imagine how close they are to the local government to have this attitude, to dare pull off something like this, and for Fiji's Ministry of Foreign Affairs to try to downplay it. The Fiji government is under a lot of political pressure. China is putting more pressure on them, political pressure. Yes, you could see it like that. We knew that letting this incident go was not right. We will absolutely not let lawmakers think that we are playing it down. Located in the Pacific Ocean, the island nation of Fiji has diplomatic relations with China while maintaining cooperation on agriculture and fisheries with Taiwan. Reports say Fiji has hoped to hush up the incident. Taiwanese lawmakers from across party lines called on MOFA to pursue justice. About filing a lawsuit, are you going to sue? Those people at the venue, never mind their diplomatic immunity. This incident has its complexities. Maybe on the surface it's hard to see the full picture. We will consider taking legal action. There is no room for violence and diplomacy. This kind of incident cannot be tolerated. This must be dealt with seriously. Ruling and opposition lawmakers came together in protest. They charged Beijing for playing the victim when China itself was the perpetrator. The cabinet is moving full steam ahead with its plan to extend the bullet train system to Elam. Premier Susan Chang said Monday that his team had chosen a route that circumvents the Fate Sui Reservoir watershed. He called on Elan County officials to provide the support needed to get the new high-speed rail line up and running without delay. <laughs> The 
Premier Su was in Elan to inspect progress on an elevated railway project. After he heard briefings on the project, Su discussed the latest in government plans to improve transport between Taipei and Elan. He said the cabinet has chosen a route for the new HSR line to Elan. This route will avoid the catchment area of the Feitui Reservoir, he said. We asked the experts to allow us to finalize this route soon. If we are to do it, we must do it very efficiently. We don't want any dilly-dallying. On the local level, we implore the county commissioner to provide support in traffic maintenance, land acquisition, and urban renewal planning. We ask the county government to deliver efficiency. Extending the HSR line to Elan will cost an estimated 176.4 billion NT. It's expected to shorten travel times between Nangang and Elan to just 17 minutes. During the inspection tour on Monday, Su also spoke about Blue Camp opposition to the government's U.S. pork policy. Opposition lawmakers have demanded a cabinet reshuffle over the decision to lift the ban on U.S. pork. If they are just going to invite me to the legislative yuan and occupy the rostrum to prevent me from speaking, that's very unreasonable. Su said the opposition shouldn't compromise the right of the people to hear what he has to say. Also on Monday, he apologized for a recent decision to limit access to free flu shots. Because at the beginning, the order of delivery and the frequency of deliveries were not arranged properly. So the announcement that we made is causing temporary trouble for people in the 50 to 65 year old age group. This is certainly a fault in our methods, and I'm sorry for that. Sue publicly apologized for issues in the flu shot program. He also commented on a recent report from a Hong Kong-based news outlet that says China has deployed its most advanced hypersonic missile, the Dongfeng-17, to its southeast coast. According to the report, the move is in preparation for an invasion of Taiwan. At such a time, China is spending tax dollars on weapons to threaten its neighbor. This does not contribute to regional peace and stability. We call on China to live up to its responsibility as a big country and take care of its people and maintain peace in the region. That's the real right thing to do. Su blasted Beijing for its military threats. He also shut down rumors that he was eyeing a presidential run in 2024. Zheng Wenchan is a talented politician. Our minister Ling Jialong is also a good, talented politician. Right now, I'm the premier. I am thankful to President Tsai Ing-wen for giving me this assignment. I will focus on being the premier. As for running in elections, it's not an itch I'm feeling now. There's no need to scratch it. Su deflected by lauding transport chief Lin Jialong. He said there was no need to ask about his plans for 2020 as there was plenty of younger talent in the DPP. The Taipei Metro is cracking down on fare evasion. The transport company says the number of people found avoiding fares has grown 13-fold in the past five years. On Monday, Metro authorities ramped up patrols at stations with high ridership, including Taipei Main and Ximen. Let's hear from a Taipei Metro representative. The stations targeted are those with more tourists and those near tourist attractions. We will carry out checks on these stations. According to Taipei Metro data, most cases involve the improper use of cheaper passes. The second highest number of cases involves tailgating, which is the act of walking behind a passenger with a valid pass and entering before the ticket barriers close. Taipei Metro warns that fare beating is punishable by a fine of up to 50 times the original fare or up to 4,500 NT. 
Higher education is changing. That's the message from pioneering colleges introducing more innovation, creativity and societal relevance to their courses. Two examples of the new face of study are National Jiao Tong University's prestigious ARET Honours Programme and the Future College at National Yunlin University of Science and Technology. Working in the lab is Gao Xiangqi, a student in NCTU's ARET Honors Program, part of the Education Ministry's push for experimental educational models. The program takes in students from all years of university. I was at a technical college, so apart from taking the joint college entrance exam and just moving on to the next stage, entering straight into NCTU, I did a lot of different things in high school. So I chose to put that experience forward as special subjects for the ARET Program. There are just two things special about ARET. Number one is that we don't base admissions on grades. We judge based on your abilities. Number two is that once you're in, there are only a few restrictions on what courses you can take. Basically, we let you choose the direction of your own future. The program provides support with course resources, as well as co-working spaces where real projects can be pursued. The Ministry of Education's push for innovative education is also bearing fruit in Yunling. Ke Jialiang is making a pen by combining a coffee filter and a piece of wood. Having won awards for Taiwan with his skills in plumbing and central heating systems, he got his place at NYUST's electrical engineering department through a special recommendation from his school. With his entrepreneurial ambitions, he joined the future college to turn his vision into reality. We use a self-directed study plan, which means the students find manufacturers for ourselves, and then you commit to what you're interested in and bring it together. The future college has small classes of just four students, so courses can be flexibly adjusted, and students can already gain the skills to start their own businesses. They have to be clear and know what they want. That's the first condition. The second condition is they have to be very good under pressure. They go and find their own internship opportunities and to write their own resume, and they might get rebuffed abruptly. Then they come back to us and we teach them how to present their skills and their qualities. That's very important. Both the Future College and the ARET program are pioneering examples of higher education. With their innovative approach to fostering talent, they hope to pave the way for the creative future of Taiwan. The government is planning compensation for growers of fruits, vegetables and grains that are lost this season due to drought. Amid a worsening water crisis, irrigation has been suspended for 19,000 hectares of farmland in northern Taiwan. On Monday, the Agriculture Minister promised financial support to all farmers affected. Let's hear from him now. Our subsidies don't only cover rice. If you planted other crops, like vegetables, fruits and grains, you will be compensated. But the details of this compensation will be announced after the Premier signs it into force tomorrow. The Feitsui Reservoir received a welcome boost over the weekend from rains falling over Greater Taipei. The reservoir is now above 60% capacity, up from 40%. But most reservoirs across Taiwan are still at alarming lows, meaning tighter rationing could be ahead. Banks in Taiwan are rolling out VTMs, or video teller machines, which offer more complex services like opening a bank account. Using pre-recorded video instructions, these new VTMs can guide a customer through processes normally only possible at a bank counter. 
Put your ID on the scanner and the data appears on screen. Take a photo before applying for a new bank card. If you have any questions, the clerk on screen can give you guidance instantly. This is a new VTM machine at CTBC Bank. You can open a bank account and leave with a new bank card, all without waiting for a turn at a counter. I would choose the machine. If I'm in a hurry, I'd choose the machine because it's more efficient and I can get my business done. It's more convenient because it takes less time. I can just go and do it at the machine. The point is that I can go online at home first to the website and book and sign in. Then I can just scan the code and reduce the time I spend waiting in the bank branch. If we compare the experience of using a machine like this to opening an account at a service counter, at a counter, the process takes 30 to 40 minutes. At a VTM, the process should only be 10 to 20 minutes. The machine is open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., even on Saturdays and Sundays. And it's highly flexible, almost like a mobile bank. The digital applications are also stored inside the machine. For example, its operations are all digital, as is the guidance it provides, the support. The entire process of opening an account has been digitalized. Some of the first banks to adopt VTMs are CTBC and Taixing International Bank. Of course, real human beings are involved in providing customer support. We've done a six-month trial of the machine, and in that time we opened about 600 new accounts. Many were for senior managers in banking who wanted to give it a try for themselves. Our satisfaction rate was over 99%. The machine's design and the perfection of its services took nine months' work. Banks say the integrated interface and graphic design are meant to be as user-friendly as possible. History lovers will want to mark a special cafe in Kaohsiung for their next holiday. One of Taiwan's oldest banks has been refurbished and turned into a cafe. But none of the original charm of the old Samwa branch has been lost. A long business counter and those unmistakable bank clerk windows. Yes, in 1921, this was Sanwa Bank's Kaohsiung branch, now a cafe. The original counter is etched with the passage of time, but the figures standing under the window arches are no longer clerks, but baristas. At the back of the cafe is a big door to the old vault. This was really the location of the bank vault, but now it's been done up by an artistic team with this cold brew coffee installation. Inside it really is making cold brew. The process takes a very long time, about 8 to 10 hours. So usually our staff starts the machine up in the morning. Kaohsiung's Culture Bureau is encouraging investment to revive old buildings like this. The renovation has brought the old bank's spirit back to life, but with a new, leisurely atmosphere. It's gone retro. It has a bank-like feeling. So I wanted to come and try it out. We call it a cafe, but our most important goal is to protect the building so people can still see what was originally going on here. Once a hive of activity, the bank is now a lovely spot to sit back with an iced coffee on an afternoon, soaking in thoughts of times past. Taipei Zoo has yet another adorable arrival to introduce, Ye Sha, the baby sloth. Born in June, she is the eighth child of the brood and named after the season of her birth, summer. Zookeepers say they're hoping the family won't grow so fast from now on, but Ye Sha's arrival is still a blessing. The newest member of the family lies happily on mom's belly. This is Ye Xia, the eighth baby in the family. Her seven big brothers and sisters were all named after the colors of the rainbow. Born in June, Ye Xia has been named after summer by zookeepers, who hope to complete the four seasons if more bundles of joy arrive. 
The family of rainbow colors is complete. We've got red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. We named this baby after the season, Ye Xia. We've separated mommy and daddy for now. We don't want them to keep reproducing. Who hope to complete the four seasons if more bundles of joy arrive? Four-month-old Ye Xia is already eating soft foods and sometimes ventures away from mom to explore on her own. When she was newborn, she clung to mom constantly, hugging her. After about a month, she would gradually start checking out the outer world, leaving her mom to go explore. Her mom would follow along behind. At any danger, she'd immediately climb back onto mommy. Ye Xia's mom and dad have proved such enthusiastic procreators that the zoo will keep them apart for a while to cool off. Ye Xia is a happy, healthy little sloth, and viewers can look forward to meeting her in person in summer 2021.